Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Corvo Rower. Hey, hey. In this podcast, we tell you about the biggest games of the week, what we should have played a long time ago in our backlog, and what you need to play this week. We're going to talk about Overwatch the Second, Grounded, and Shatterline. And every game we talk about is timestamped, so you can jump to the game you are interested in that is available in any podcast app that supports it. So I suppose we should start with uh, the game I've been playing the most, but I also suppose the game that is probably the biggest. Overwatch 2. So, fellas, did you know that some people actually believed Overwatch 2 had a worse launch than Cyberpunk 2077? Oh, I've been on Twitter, so I believe that they'll say anything at this point, just about. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. You know, that's one of the things. What about you, I'm Corvo? Sick of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Overwatch 2 launch has definitely been suffering. Um, it's an interesting comparison to make, though, regarding those two launches, I would say. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think so. It's, it hasn't been great, but at least people are able to play it. And then yep. you have to factor in, you know, it was, at least for the NA servers, I don't know what happened with the Asia and EU servers, but there was a DDoS attack. Cyberpunk didn't really have any outside help for its failures, so I don't know. It's kind fine. of annoyed at that at this point. Aren't we past DDoS attacks on video games at this point on launch day? Like, I it makes no sense. It just makes no sense. Is okay. What other games have had DDoS on day one? I, I won't be surprised if Modern Warfare Two doesn't have one right away. But uh, probably, yeah. I would say almost every Call of Duty has probably had that. But it, it's just it feels like something we haven't heard about in a while. So it's it's weird that this would have something like that to deal with. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess there's a whole everybody's having a, a hissy fit because it's, it feels like I guess Overwatch 1.5 to some people instead of Overwatch 2. But it's I feel like they've made it known that this is what they're doing with. There is some blame to place at Blizzard's <laughs> feet because. Their advertising hasn't been the greatest. It hasn't been marketed all that much. But I feel like if you knew this was coming, you, you kind of should have been prepared for this. But uh, yeah, so but let's talk about actual Overwatch 2. So the, yes. the thing is, for me at least, when I'm discussing Overwatch 2, it's hard for me to discuss or it's it's hard not for me to discuss the news surrounding Overwatch 2 because it contextualized the changes to Overwatch 2 and the reactions are outrageous. So it's Overwatch 2 is plain and simply it is more of Overwatch. You don't really have the two until the single player stuff comes around. This is a refresh. There's no question about it. It feels like Overwatch 2 but to me, there's enough significant changes that makes it feel fresh to me, but I am also one who played 600 hours of the game so before it became Overwatch 2. So perhaps to me, I was so embedded in it that it, it feels very fresh, where to somebody who only put in you know 50 hours or so, maybe less, 
to them, it's like, well, this feels exactly the same. And I don't want to ignore that, but there are some pretty significant changes. So the one I want to start with is uh, the battle pass. There's no more loot boxes. Number one, regulatory stuff. So they don't have to deal with that. They can launch the game in all territories that they want to. Uh, So that's completely gone. So they have switched to a battle pass model and it works like most other battle passes. You pay for it, you earn stuff and there is a free tier and there is the premium tier. Characters, I think the biggest thing about this is characters are included in the battle pass and you have to earn some of those new characters. So Kiriko, for example, one of the new characters, a support character, she is available later down in the free battle pass, but if you have the premium, you will unlock her immediately. Not something that's unheard of. That happens in Destiny 2 in terms of exotic weapons and you know other games have a system like this. I can feel the complaints there. You, you kind of want to use a, a character... Locking it behind the battle pass. I, I can I can understand the complaints. That's that's fair. What gets me though is people are really railing on the prices in the shop. So it has a shop now. You can buy individual skins, sprays, all the other stuff that was available in Overwatch. You just buy it a la carte now. All has its own prices. So the biggest complaint people are having is that it's way too expensive. Oh my gosh, look at the prices of these things. It's so much more than Overwatch 1. And it bothers me so much because <laughs> it, there's so much context as to why these are expensive. First of all, these are about market value prices. Legendary skins are around yep. $20. Yep. For games that has... 25 yep. For games that have legendary and exotic items, you're going to pay around 20 Maybe some are 15 Other games, 25 I think in Multiverses, one of the biggest examples, I think one, I think one Batman skin was 25 or more or something like that. So most of the prices, market value. But a, a lot of people are talking about, you know, they're just straight up more ex- expensive, which in a vacuum they are. Uh, in it's 1900 coins to pay for a legendary skin. That's, that's about $20. Uh, it's about a thousand coins to get an Epic skin. And I'm using these as an example, um, which I think that's about $10. So, and they're saying in overwatch, the first one legendary skins were a thousand coins. And so they bumped up the price by 900 coins. And I'm like, that's total BS. Because in you Overwatch... You couldn't buy when, coins. <laughs> huh? You couldn't buy coins in Overwatch 1. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's number one. But number two, when they first released Legendary Skins for any event or for whatever reason, they started at 3,000. So it wasn't until one year later that they became a thousand. So they're three thousand that entire year. And then you had to buy loot boxes. You couldn't even buy a certain amount of coins. You had to buy crapshoot. And it was a crapshoot. 
So you could, you could want a skin, the latest legendary skin for Lucio that you want. You could buy 20 loot, the 24 loot boxes, which cost $20 in original Overwatch. And you might not get that skin. Then you might get a bunch of other stuff you may, li- you may like. But you also might get a whole bunch of duplicates as well. And so what are you left to do? You either buy more or live with what you got. And a lot of people bought more. And so that actually allowed the market value of those skins a year later to be a thousand because they were earning more money than they needed for these skins in the first place. So now that you can just buy the skin that you want, they got to make up that money somewhere from a business perspective. The loot box covered all that extra cost. Now those loot boxes aren't there. So they have to price things a little higher to make up for that money that they're going to lose from not having people purchasing extra loot boxes in order to get the skin that they want. This is like easy business stuff. Easy. Yep. And it's not egregious. Their market value. This is, this is what's making me so frustrated. I'm like, it, I'm totally for railing on a, a, a game that has egregious exorbitant prices for their stuff that's completely unnecessary and i would criticize it as such but this this makes sense this isn't out of the ordinary it's not overly expensive i just, <laughs> and you get what you want compared to the first game exactly you want a skin you want that skin all right the Pay the $20. Like you're you're getting exactly what you want instead of paying for 24 loot boxes and hoping that you get something that you and want. And most likely won't get what you want. <laughs> and most likely you won't. And, and people forget that there's good, like, yeah, there were plenty of cool event skins that you could earn as they did things. We're Overwatch 2 just launched. Give it time. There will be a ton of free to earn skins as we continue on this journey with Overwatch 2. It's it's going to happen. Yeah. And if you don't finish the battle pass, which every 10 levels, there is a skin you can earn. Those will be available later, either yep. through challenges or through other events that you can participate in. The same thing in. with the characters. Yes. So everything will be available in some form or fashion. You will be able to earn all of those things. I don't know. I don't know how it works with sprays and emotes and things like that. Like, I don't know if those will also be available or if those will just go to the shop. I don't know how that works, but if it's anything like call of duty, it probably won't be uh, call of duty for the most part. You can't even buy the skins later. So that's the interesting thing is uh, you're talking about for the guns, gives you right? that option. Yeah. For cut for call of duty. Well, for operators, like you can't buy uh, uh op certain operator skins if you don't earn it. Like it's, it, it's, kind of a badge of hey i just earned all of this is so that are the skins for the chance. operators the same i guess desire as in overwatch because like skins in overwatch is like that's the bastion of thing that you want most people you, want you get you get to level 100 there's some pretty sweet skins in call of duty so it is a but is that like the thing you're gonna grind want? the battle pass yes Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, it, okay. you see it all over. You see people run around with those skins all over the place. Now, there are other ones that are cooler and stuff, but COD is very similar to this when it comes to Battle Pass. So I'm, I look at it pretty objectively because 10 bucks, grind through it. Yeah, 
you gotta you don't have a lot of time to grind through it but to me it's worth it yeah there's so there's 80 levels in this battle pass and there's as of yesterday it was 61 days left in the season so you earn levels you can earn about eight levels in about an hour and a half two hours of play especially if you're finishing challenges which there are a lot of challenges you'll have about five daily challenges you got a a few weekly challenges and if you're actually which is really cool yeah they got daily weekly seasonal lifetime uh all hero specific challenges so there's i mean there's a lot of ways you can get some extra experience of course that'll will down as you complete more and more but it'll take you a while to whittle all those down so i imagine if you play an hour two hours a day You'll finish, you'll finish all 80 levels, free tier or not. Um, yeah, similar similar yeah. to other games, too, you also get, I believe it's 20% extra experience towards your battle pass when you're playing with friends. Yeah, that and if you bought the watch point pack, you'll, you'll get 20% extra all season. So yep. I don't know if it stacks with friends. I didn't look because it, it shows you. Oh, it does stack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So even, dang, almost 50% extra experience. Yeah, it's a lot and the watch point pack yeah so um and, you know overwatch is one of those games you you definitely want to play with a friend so that's a huge bonus uh they i mean they had that kind of bonus in overwatch but it it's more valuable here because it it does go to the battle pass and if you paid for it that helps so yeah i think another thing that the you know overwatch community is still coming to grips with you know the growing pains of having a battle pass and a cosmetic shop in the game is the game going free to play i mean this is a game that you don't have to purchase a box price for so blizzard is making up that coin in you know battle passes and shop purchases so i mean like you've already mentioned before this is kind of becoming industry standard at this point and i think it just might take a little bit of time for overwatch players to kind of come to grips with the situation that they've found themselves in yeah uh, i mean I don't think Blizzard has to make up any money <laughs> in the case of the box price, but absolutely. I mean, you go free to play, they have to make money. It's not like it could just be free to play and then there's, there's no way to earn money. Uh, it is a business. <laughs> it is. <laughs> These live service games are called live service for a reason because the service they are providing you is free. And that service does include servers and things like that, which yes, they are funky right now but what uh what live service game isn't funky at launch it's it's hard to launch a live service game because there's no real way to test it at scale it just it just kind of is what it is that's the factor so i did say it feels the same um i think it's fresh enough but i understand why people who, who you know who don't know any better believe it feels exactly the same because as you're playing, I mean, it's got the same speed. It's got the same feel. Uh, all the objectives are mostly the same. There's, there's one new mode, three new maps. There's no more 2CP, which uh, the new mode push replaces that mode. Three new characters. So most of the game is the same. But I feel like 5v5 makes a whole lot of difference. And... uh you're not aware it's gone from 6v6 to 5v5 
removing the tank. So now there's only one tank. If you're doing um, the roll queue, which is everybody has a specific role. So there's only one tank, two DPS, two support. And the biggest fear is, you know, oh my gosh, I, I one tank has to carry the whole thing. No, that's, that has never really been the point of Overwatch. Everybody's supposed to work as a team. And so to me, and the way I've seen it is, this puts the onus even more on teamwork. Support your tank, people. Yep. Help your <laughs> tank out. Make sure your tank is well taken care of. So that way you can have a grand old time and the tank can feel so good about doing their job. So it feels good. The pace is the pace feels like when Overwatch originally released. Because by the end of Overwatch's life cycle, I mean people had it tuned to a key. Like <laughs> it was Everybody was running the same cops. Everybody was doing the same thing. You know, double shield, all that stuff. There's bunk, a lot of bunker comp for sure. Yeah, so it was kind of like, all right, well, this this is what it is. There's too many shields. It's all out of whack. So removing one tank, I think, was the smartest decision and wisest decision that they could have done for the game. It, it opens a lot of avenues up for just different kind of play so i like it and that's why it feels the most fresh if you're just looking for new modes and new maps okay yeah not really gonna feel that fresh push isn't uh, a revolutionary mode it's payload going back and tug of war payload that's all that's all push is yeah. um so you're you're fighting for that so it's fine. There's other little details like you have to get 50 wins before you play comp if uh, you are brand new to the game, which I like a lot because some people will hop in competitive and crap the bed. And it's like, why, <laughs> why are you here? Don't, you don't even understand the game yet. So yep. you got to get 50 wins, not just 50 games, 50 wins. So you can play 100 games. You can play 200 games before you get those 50 wins. You can get straight 50. Who knows? But that, that does allow people to learn a little bit more. I like it. Now, one... I, oh, good. I feel like I feel like the... And that maybe it's just me, but I feel like the pace is definitely just shot up with there being just one tank. With you not having two, as you said, two lumbering people slowly <laughs> working their way around corners with shields up and all this kind of stuff. It's just, I really like the way that this one feels as well as I feel like the switch to 5v5 kind of gives a little more chance for those huge pop-off plays. Like I've been watching over the Overwatch League play Overwatch 2 and it seems like you'll all of a sudden have some guy on Sojourn like clean up the whole flipping team. And it didn't ever feel like that really happened a lot in Overwatch 1. You'd have one person get picked up, the tanks would converge all of a sudden and just make sure everybody stayed alive. And then that's kind of just how it went. Whereas with this, it definitely feels like, okay, there's not shields everywhere on the battlefield right now. You're just going to have to make your best plays. And it feels like we're going to see some really high skill 
gameplay, it, unfortunately, it's almost always probably going to be on the other team when I'm playing them. But <laughs> it feels like we're going to have some really high skill moments, some I need to record this kind of moments compared to Overwatch one where, like you said, yes, it is team based. It does make you focus on being team based. But you can have one player completely change the entire battlefield in this one. And I don't feel like that happened nearly as much in the original Overwatch. Yeah, and, and tanks don't have to fight over each other. You know, who, yeah. who's supposed to do what? One of the major quote-unquote categories of tank was you're either the main tank or you're the off tank. And the off tank off is tank. supposed to help the support players if somebody's doing something else. And the main tank is kind of the front, always looking forward making sure everything in the front is going well, all that kind of stuff. And there's there's none of that anymore. There's no confusion. You have one tank, and that is your main tank. And you yep. support your main tank. And that's the other thing that makes it feel fresh. Every tank has been reworked to be able to be a main tank. So <laughs> And Doomfist is now a tank. <laughs> Doomfist is now a tank. Yes. So... I'm like, yeah, new character uh, characters have been reworked to different things. So, and so many other characters have been reworked. I mean, you got Soldier Seventy Six and Tracer. Yeah, you know, those are largely the same. But so many other characters. Feel I don't even different. recognize Arissa. <laughs> like when yeah. you, if you try, it's like, okay, there's no point to play as this character right now because <laughs> no, no, no shade on Arissa. No, Arissa's good. It is it like she was not as good in my sessions. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ar- Arissa's uh, Arissa's nice, but uh, I, I, Zarya is nice now. Double bubble. Um, I love that. Reinhardt can throw two fire strikes and you know his shield goes. I feel like his shield goes down really fast now, but maybe it's, that's it's because such there's one good tank. changes. That's yeah. the biggest thing is all the reworks work, and you don't always get that. So it's like you can tell they paid a lot of attention to detail of how does this change the game. It's not just how the tank himself reacts. How does it work in the grand scheme of things with all the people on this map? Yeah. So it's it's just really really cool how they've how they've done this. Which I, it's it's Blizzard. I guess it's kind of hard to be surprised because they've been doing this for a long time and making games like this and their reworks have generally been good. And there's so much room for counterplay. That's the nice thing because, you know, you don't have two tanks being able to absorb everything. And so, you know, I was playing in a match this morning and there was a, 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 a Sigma and we were, you know, our team and we couldn't break through. All Sigma had to do was just put out a shield and it was just blocking all the damage. And they have all this damage coming to us and we're rocking a Roadhog. And uh, I forget whatever the... I, it was Roadhog and... Oh, and Doomfist. <laughs> yeah, so the tank went Doomfist and Roadhog and all this damage is coming through. And it's like, do you, do you not see the counterplay happening right now? We yep. need a tank with a shield so we can stop the damage so we can output more damage but if you don't read that yep you're gonna get punished and i'm fine with that from a from a gameplay perspective i'm like this is the kind of counterplay that's nice it's it's not so like there's so many different options that you could do but there's just enough options to make it complex because 
you know, maybe maybe if I switched to Widowmaker instead of using Soldier 76, maybe I could have gotten just some quick picks instead, you know? That's yep. a change I could have made, right? So there, there's different ways maybe that could have been solved. But Sojourn could have worked well on that. Yeah, possibly. Slide so. around the back. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, so just thinking about that, it's like, yeah, this this is how Overwatch originally felt before everything got so bloated and one cop. shielded. Yeah. So um but yeah, I David, I know you mentioned the phone number stuff. That bothered you. Yeah, and it's mainly just any time and I know that everybody's doing SMS protection, what trying to do these two factor things with protecting accounts and whatnot, but you you gotta have a different way than a phone number and not necessarily just a phone number. The fact that you have to use a non I think postpaid is what it's referred to number. So I have Cricket Wireless. I cannot use my phone number for the SMS protection that they want to use. And I had to use my sister's oh. <laughs> because she's on another, she's on a network where it's a contract plan yeah. uh, prepaid. So it's like, this is really kind of sucky because at first, even if you played Overwatch 1, you already had an account and everything. You could not play Overwatch 2 without setting that up. So there are a bunch of yeah. people screwed out of it. And now yeah. they've fixed it, so it's not there anymore. But it's just kind of the idea of uh, you're literally locking it out completely. because of Not because of the f- number, because I'm not willing to give you a number. That's my choice. But right. when it's based around the actual service I have... <laughs> That's a little bit much, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I have mixed feelings about it because I like the idea. I am aware, <laughs> acutely aware, that there were a lot of cheaters, but there are also a lot of people. I don't know what it was about Overwatch, but a lot of people bought second accounts, three accounts. I know I, I have a person I play regularly with. He bought six accounts. Oh, and wow. he's not smurfing. He, there, there was a, problem, a lot of problems with the MMR. I bought a second account too where my support MMR didn't really allow me to have success learning DPS. So I bought a second account so I could have a DPS MMR that was gotcha. more in line with playing that way. So I wasn't smurfing. It wasn't good enough to be, <laughs> be a smurf anyway. But um, so I understand why they went in that direction because there were plenty of people who bought second accounts and would cheat on those accounts and would smurf on those accounts. And so it's like, what else can we do except SMS protection, particularly with a free play game now. So yeah, we, we thought buying the game would, you know, gate those people out. Nope. They're just going to buy more for whatever reason. So now it's even easier for them to make it. So I feel like they should have allowed prepaid accounts because if somebody really wanted to do that, like they would buy a prepaid account, which obviously that's a waste of money because they're not even using it. So I feel like that is a form of gating that still. So that, that part was weird. I found, I, yep. I did find that weird, but I under, I completely understand why they took it away. I don't disagree with it at all. Um, but I liked it 
also. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I just want to jump in and say, um, yeah. I I don't believe they're actually removing the SMS protection. Um, I've got their forum post opened up right now. Yeah, and they're keeping it for brand new players. Correct. That's correct. So SMS protection will still be in place for new accounts, um, but anybody that's played since June 9th of 2021 does not have to provide a phone number to play. And um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, this change goes into effect on October 7th. Yep. So that is, we're recording Thursday, October 6th. So tomorrow, Friday, it will be gone, except for brand spanking new players. So I do like that that's there because brand spanking new accounts will have to deal with that. Um, but like, I'm, I mean, I bought, I don't remember where I bought, when I bought that second account, <laughs> but I think I could use it. Maybe, I don't know. But um, I, I am glad they're leaving some form of it in place. But uh, in your case, still, I don't think prepay plans work. And I think that's weird. I, I think yeah. that should change. Uh, Corvo, have you been playing at all? I've been playing when the servers allow me to. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I've been uh, spending a lot of time on the main menu in a queue of over 40,000 people. Mm, but when I, yes. when I am in the game, I am loving it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm happy to be excited about Overwatch again. I mean, you know, when did the game originally release? Like 2016? 2016, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I remember playing back in the day, like when the game first came out, and I'm, I'm getting those feelings all over again of playing Overwatch Same. on launch. And it's just, it's just a great feeling to be back in Overwatch again with new content. And I'm loving the content that they've been putting out. And I know they've got this massive roadmap of things waiting for us in the future. And I can't wait to see the future of overwatch. Yeah. I think every season they're supposed to have a new map and a new character. It might be more than that, but I, I believe their seasons will have a new map and then every other season will have a hero. Okay. Okay. That's that, sense. Yeah. You don't want it to get too bloated. Well, I'm fine with them adding as many characters as I want league of legends style, but you know, <laughs> as long as it's varied, I love what they did yeah. with Doomfist. You know, making him a tank. They need to just give him a shield. He just puts his arms up to block incoming damage. Makes yeah, sense. You can still get headshots on him, crazy enough. Yeah. So I like that. As long as they don't go shields and all this other stuff. Um, Junker Queen, another tank, new tank, uh, has no shield. She just kind of beefs up her own health. To be able to stay in the fight for a longer time and then uh, a mechanic called wound that's a new mechanic uh, where I get, it's basically dot damage um, on different characters so I like that and then you have Kiriko the new support character love her my new main Zenyatta was my main I'm like Kiriko yes right up my alley uh, super complex <laughs> love her shit so hard to play <laughs> <laughs> love her oh just right up my alley just a, a whole bunch of stuff i have to figure out i don't know why that <laughs> tickles my fancy but and then my but, girl sojourn you can't leave her out well we saw her at the beta so you know still but sojourn is awesome because i like sliding awesome. in video games and <laughs> i can slide all over the place you and can slide all over the place <clears throat> i love the 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 what is it the overcharge shots those yeah. are great yeah, those those hit hard. 
house oh, feel yeah. real good. So I like the direction of these new characters. Junker Queen, the 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 uh, redone Doomfist, Kariko, very different kind of kits. So if they keep going in this direction with different heroes, then yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the new heroes. And y'all can add as many as you want. And then that we can really start counterpicking and you know doing all that stuff. Then then things get really fun. So that is Overwatched, developed and published by Blizzard. Now, let's talk about uh Honey I Shrunk the Kids in the backyard. Let's talk about Grounded. Corvo, you reviewed this, I believe. So uh how do you feel about it? It was a great time. Uh, it's one of those really unique feeling games where, you know, it's it's a survival game where you're crafting items, you got your hunger and thirst meter. Um, but, you know, the biggest point is that you're shrunk down to the size of an ant. So you're not exploring forests and deserts. You're exploring, you know, through little blades of grass and... <laughs> You know, like a koi pond is like a giant ocean and a sandbox (laughs) is like a sun-scorched desert. Um, And, you know, you're fighting ladybugs and small little creatures and terrifying spiders. Uh, I heard the mosquitoes in that game are terrifying. Oh, my goodness. I I put the mosquitoes right next to the spiders on the fear, (laughs) the fear ranking. They have this horrible buzzing helicopter noise. As you're sprinting away from them, you can hear them getting oh, close. No. Oh, it's it's terrifying. So what but you're telling great. me is they need to put in a meter just like they do for the arachnophobia. Uh, for the well, they're not terrifying though. looking. They're just terrifying. Yes. <laughs> they, just, they, they embody horror. <laughs> <laughs> I, the scariest creature that I encountered was probably the wolf spider, though. They, oh, uh, they're massive, massive spiders. And uh, when provoked, they have this really low and loud, grumbling, growling sound. No. Yeah, and they (laughs) they inflict poison damage. So, you know, like one bite could kill you. So they're they're forces to be reckoned with in the backyard. I am am never playing this game. (laughs) They are kings of the backyard. Yes, indeed. Mm. And that's, that's another thing about Grounded that I definitely appreciated was... You know, this is no easy romp through the backyard. There's some serious threats that you have to contend with. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, you know, when, when you're the size of an ant and, you know, you've got this tiny little spear that you've made out of a sprig and <laughs> a piece of grass, you know, these things can be scary and the game takes it seriously. Uh, a lot of the insects are very challenging and they force you to learn their attack patterns and when to block and when to strike and ultimately when to run away <laughs> i didn't even know you could block in that game like how do you block an insect you know <laughs> like, but it's a video you know, game. It's, yeah like exactly there's, there's some liberties but you know you might be able to craft a shield out of the carapace oh, of a weevil okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's the, it that's the charm of grounded yeah there's, everything you're describing i'm like oh my gosh there's so much charm to that Yes, the game is absolutely oozing with personality, and it's just, everything feels so unique. Like, when you're crafting a sword, 
it's not like, oh, I'm putting together a metal sword. It's no, I'm taking the beak from a mosquito and turning it into a sword that gives me lifesteal because I'm sucking the blood out of my enemies. That is awesome. <laughs> That's so creative. That is great. I loved it. It was it was a fantastic experience. So you say survival. What are, okay, besides, you know, feeding and hunger and, you know, thirst, what are some of the uh, survival mechanics? Can you build bases? Like I, you know, I'm not like a big survival person, but I'm aware of some mechanics. Are there are there unique mechanics? I mean, outside of like obviously this creative stuff where you can build, you know, swords out of mosquito beaks and stuff. But are there like similarity and differences between survival games? Yeah, so there definitely is base building. Uh, Something that I found really great about this game is that you can build a base or your outpost. You can build basically anything in the crafting menu at any place in the map. So if you want to make your home near the pond, you're free to do that. Or if you want to make 16 different small homes all across the backyard, you're free to do that as well. Um, And what's really great about the base building is it's built on, um, I like to call it like a blueprint system, where let's say you wanted to build like a bed. So you lay out the blueprint for a bed. So you say, I want to put it here. And then it creates like a projection of the bed. And then you can just add pieces to it Hmm. uh, and it constructs. So what this means is that if you're playing a multiplayer game, you can set down the blueprint for a building or a um, whatever you're crafting and your teammates can just add supplies right to that blueprint. Um, so oh, it makes it really easy. Them. Yes, if you don't have them, mm. um, oh, like let's cool. say you could add three sprigs and your teammate could add a couple grass planks and together you could build on the same thing. Um, but the oh, blueprint cool. also lets you basically plan out your whole base ahead of time if you wanted to. Uh, you can lay out the foundations, the walls, all without adding any materials. And you can move things around and customize things you can even change the like dimness of lights in the menus if you'd like to it goes pretty deep but um yeah constructing my little base uh to ward off the ants (laughs) it was just it was great i mean there's nothing better than building a cozy little fortress against the elements out of sticks and weed stems it's the way God originally meant it to be. <laughs> yeah, and as far as survival elements go, I wouldn't say that it goes too aggressive. I mean, you've got, like I mentioned previously, the hunger and the thirst meter. But besides that, I mean, that's basically it. You know, you've got to eat, you've got to drink. Other than that, you explore in the yard, building your base up. So is there an actual point beyond just survive is is there an objective like what what i'm i i get bored very easily when i play survival games because that ends up being all i'm technically doing so Mm, is 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 there a main quest to grounded yes um this game was previously in game preview and with the full release of the game they've added a a full narrative campaign to the game complete with cutscenes and dialogue interactions um, so yeah, uh, without spoiling too much of the story, um, you have been shrunk down to the size of an ant and you can't remember how it happened. So you're tasked with exploring the yard of a scientist who was working on shrinking technology and he's left these little scientific outposts scattered throughout the yard and you're, uh, 
basically uncovering the mystery of how to repair the shrinking machine so that you can return to normal size. Huh. Fascinating. That's been my problem with Minecraft. Everybody, you know, you should get Minecraft. Oh, yeah. There's there's too much freedom. I, I need... Tell me I what to do. I need structure, man. I need structure. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me what to do. Give I definitely points. appreciated the yeah. like guided structure of the game. Um, even if that's not your thing, Grounded offers creative modes where you can even turn off the story if you don't want to participate in that section of the that's game. Cool. But I really did appreciate the guided experience because it gave me something to work towards. Um, and it also gives you an incentive to explore the entirety of the yard. Yeah, for somebody like myself, you know, that allows me to get used to the systems because I, I have to mess with them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I remember playing it before it got to this state in game preview, and it was that freeform sense. There wasn't any story or anything. You just kind of got in there and you're you're doing a thing. And it was interesting, but that you just go. And since there was no flow, yeah, there, a few things, it was like, hey, do this. But it was like why do I have to do it? You know, like it was just like, I don't, I don't have context for these things. I don't want to do that. I want to explore and just teach me how to feed myself and thirst. But at the same time, it was like, all right, I, what's the point now? And spiders are scary. I need to run. So, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. too much. So I like, near I the like beginning, the sound of that. Near the beginning of the game, um, there's kind of like a guided tutorial section where you basically find the first Uh, lab and you're exploring that lab and after that point the game lets you know that there's three more that you need to go find and it's it says oh you should probably visit this one first but you have the option to go to any uh, any of the three if you so choose Mm, so there's still a little bit of freedom with the guided experience which i found to really like yeah going off the beaten path is fine every once in a while but i need to stay on 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 script (laughs) Um, can the spiders destroy your bases or can anything destroy your bases? I'm curious. Yeah. So there's actually a mechanic in the game where if you piss off, uh, let's call it faction of bugs. Oh dear. They might follow you back to your house and stage a raid, (laughs) which you'll have to defend your base from. So there was one point where, you know, I was searching for a material called web fiber, which is found in abundance when you kill orb weaver spiders. Oh. So after I had killed a few orb weavers, the game let me know that orb weavers were on, on their way back to my base for payback. <laughs> so I'm sprinting back to my base, weapon in hand, like, oh God, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'll they'll wreck your stuff up, um, or you know, just outright kill you. But yeah, your bases can be destroyed, but they can also be repaired. Um, so yeah, there's there's that aspect where you have to kind of watch out for little bugaboos crawling around all over the place. See, I'd be that person who would build a whole bunch of smaller bases. So it's like, all right, you want to go? Go go have fun. Go <laughs> destroy. I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> I will let them have that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work on that later, <laughs> but y'all can have that. Oh dear. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's one of those fun little discoveries in the game that you know they don't tell you this sort of thing is going to happen, yeah. and you just kind of discover it for yourself. And grounded is full of those little discoveries, and 
it's just like it filled me with a childlike sense of wonder like exploring and a new wilderness from a new perspective that does sound cool i have to admit like i i hate survival games because i hate the idea of surviving <laughs> but um this already having to do cool. enough of that in real life yeah for real <laughs> Yeah, so, the the challenge is definitely serious, but uh, the world is just, it just pulls you in, you know. You'll start playing it, and then you'll look at the clock, and somehow two hours have passed without you even realizing, just because yeah. you're having so much fun exploring. Um, Another one of the weird, curious questions I have in my head. How lifelike is, like, the the way insects and bugs gather in certain places so if you're by the koi pond for example are mosquitoes mostly by the koi pond or if you're closer to a dark area is that where the spiders tend to lurk how lifelike is that kind of stuff yeah so there is an area in the game called the hedge which is pretty self-explanatory but uh this is This is the type of place where spiders love to hang out because there's Mm. plenty of branches for them to put up their webs and wonderful things like that to discover. Uh, Mosquitoes do love the pond area, but they also like uh, sitting water. So if there's like a puddle sitting around, there's tons of mosquitoes. Uh, During (laughs) the nighttime, fireflies will come out. So it's a little bit dynamic like that. Um, The wolf spiders, if you're worried about them, they love to hide underneath things. So just be wary sense. about exploring uh, a leaf pile because there might be a wolf spider sitting in it. Oh, like that. Oh, okay. Yes. They love to jump scare you. I will just say that. Oh, I hate that. Oh, jump scares are the worst. Okay. All right. Well, you got, you got anything else on that? Gone grounded? Uh, score it, actually. Yeah, I scored it a 90. I think this game okay. absolutely blew it out of the park. There is just so much fun to be had uh, exploring the backyard, whether you're doing it alone or with friends. Um, the crafting is great. The setting is just outstanding to explore. And the bugs are creepy. And I just I didn't think there was too much to hate about the game. Nice. Um, did you did you mess with the arachnophobia slider at all? Did you did you turn it down? I, I checked it out in the menus just because it's something that I found so interesting that they included in the game. Um, the way it tones it down is in tiers. So you can have it a little bit less like a spider or you can have it a lot less like a spider to the point where it's basically a floating orb. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen pictures. It just looks like <laughs> a little white blob with eyes. Yes, I, I do not suffer from arachnophobia personally. So I left... The spiders, most spider-like, but oh, yeah. if you are somebody that does not like spiders, the slider is there. I remember the, I remember seeing the spiders, and they were uh, yep. pretty lifelike. What's funny is Evil West, which we talked about last week, they recently said they have an arachnophobia slider. So There's spiders in that game? I guess. Thank goodness, since Good I'm probably know. reviewing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't even yeah, if you uh, if you've got Game Pass, definitely give Grounded a try. I highly recommend it, even if you're new to the survival genre. I think it's definitely worth your time. Would you Would you say it's good for first timers to the survival genre? I think first timers will have a bit of a steep learning curve when they try to 
beat down a ladybug for the first time and get absolutely stomped in the ground. <laughs> You'll feel real but pitiful after that. I, I think the world of Grounded really pulls you in to the point where you can learn to get past the difficulty, at least in my uh, experience. Sure. Okay. I got to give it a shot again now that it's fully fleshed out, story guided. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. Let's we'll see. That is Grounded, developed by Obsidian and published by Microsoft Game Studios. All right. Well, let's talk about an indie game developed by Ukrainians, actually, and uh, it's called Shatterline. So the easiest comparison when it comes to Shatterline is going to be that it's, at least in multiplayer form, you're looking at something that's very similar to Call of Duty in the sense of its fast pace and all that, but it follows more of an Apex Legends aesthetic as well as it's got operators that have specific ultimate abilities and such. So it's a first-person shooter with some ultimates and fast pace. Fast, very fast pace. I, so... To give some context, I was on Twitter one day. I was just clicking through different things, and somebody had posted a gameplay video of them playing this game, playing Shatterline. And I watched the gameplay, and I was like, okay, you can slide in it, so that's automatic. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you have not been paying attention to the podcast i am a fiend when it comes to playing games where you can slide around cuz i just love them what's your i should have known question i should have known what's your least favorite genre uh, i mean i like a lot of different things probably racing racing okay, yeah, we'll find a way to figure out how to slide in racing we'll figure it out <laughs> we'll get there that's why i like mario kart there's some sliding in there <laughs> <laughs> drifting we need to get you in the drifting, drifting. yeah there we go yeah all right so go ahead. <laughs> but so that was an automatic thing of okay cool they've got a nice slide in this game so i'm already intrigued but after watching some of the gameplay it's like man this actually looks pretty good uh, especially considering i'd never heard of it i'd never heard of the studio at all before it's made by like you said a ukrainian studio frag labs once again, never heard a bit about it. Jump into Steam. They had early access beta going on, so I jumped into that, messed around with it for a second, and then it looked like it was going out of beta completely. So from there, I was like, oh, well, I guess I won't get to play it again. Well, they threw it back into full-on early access. So now, anybody can go. It is a free-to-play game. Yeah, you that's, can go that's the interesting get access part. To early it. access free-to-play. Yeah, that was uh, at first you were having to request access. Now it looks like you just click and boom, you're you're good to go. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I've been I've been playing around with it, and I love what I'm playing because it's a little rough around the edges. There's still some little things that you could tell that just aren't as polished. I mean, that's that's early access for you, but just considering that this is an indie game. This is an extremely good experience, like running around the, the, the shots. Whenever you're hitting somebody, you feel the impact of the hits, the, the guns so far. I've really enjoyed them. There was actually one I picked up last night, which I'll talk about the there's actually a PVE mode in the game as well. But I picked up a, a sniper 
and found out that it's a two shot sniper. I've I know burst shot with different things. I've never had something where it just shoots two bullets whenever I fire it. Mm. Like so, so I know that's a kind of a weapon. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of an intriguing idea with just some of this different stuff. But just the gunplay is good. The mechanics feel solid. And just all around, they've got a good amount of modes in it. Obviously, a lot of it's going to be familiar to most people. Like, they've got Search and Destroy variant in there. They've got Deathmatch. They've got Domination where you're capturing points. And they've got a hard point mode. But it's just it's just fun to play. And especially when you've got it completely free, <laughs> that's even better. So, multiplayer, I could kind of sit here and talk about and just go through with just all my call of duty isms and whatnot but it's a whole lot of fun to play if you're into call of duty you'll probably like this but moving into the pve is where the game really kind of feels and maybe it's just me not playing a lot of different maybe i'm i've been missing this genre somewhere but you have this three-player co-op pve where you run around this surprisingly pretty good sized world now it's not the once again early access not the prettiest locales yet but you start off with a pistol and nothing else. <laughs> they actually drop you in, and the idea is this is a roguelite that you are going around and you are doing specific objectives in different spots to get to supply drops, pick up new weapons, or the cool thing, they've got like perks. Like, for instance, there was one that was vampiric shot, and it was if I use my secondary weapon and get a kill, it'll grant me some health back. Like just little perks that you can pick up as you're going along, as well as other weapons, and you'll eventually get your gear, like your the ability that you have, the abilities that you have in the game. Like for instance, the the operator that I really like is a support oriented o- operator that has a little drone that can run around and shoot people, and then a health pack that they can drop on the ground, which you can use or your teammates can use. So. Okay. Running around this world, it's got this, like, I'm assuming, like, something is is come from space or something, and there's these alienish kind of creatures that are attacking you and whatnot, so you're having to defeat them. And like I said, you're getting to these supply pods, you're getting to these objectives. Uh, one of the objectives that we accomplished last night that was kind of neat was they had these hellhound spines where there was a character like a a enemy in the game that was essentially a hellhound it was running at you you would shoot it kill it and then it would drop a hellhound spine which was kind of some sort of weapon which you could attack a shielded version of this other enemy up above until you drop the shield down so you could kill it Hmm. and that was just you were trying to keep the contamination of the world down because there was a meter the whole time And I don't understand all of it. I don't know if it makes the enemies more dangerous, if more of them spawn. But anytime we would, (laughs) I need to. But anytime we were completing objectives and all that, it would drop. And there were four major objectives from what I've watched since we didn't finish ours. I watched some gameplay of somebody else. It looks like there is kind of a final boss that you can fight. But I'm not even completely sure on that because I never even got to wherever these places are that I've seen people playing this. So I'm curious as to if there's a lot more to the objectives in this than I thought in the sense of there being other 
other bad guys and whatnot because it was just tons of fun to run around with friends and just you're just like I said the biggest thing is you're spawning and you don't have anything so you're kind of specking out your character on the fly and trying to figure out not only what works for you but if it works in tandem with your teammates yeah because yeah it's all nice and good that I could pick up that sniper but if my buddy picked up a sniper too then we've got nobody to keep them these things from rushing at us so he was picking up like the submachine gun and running in there and whatnot. Uh, there was one point in one of the objectives that I was able to make a really fun play in that I was running. Around, I was the only one alive. My two guys were down and I ran over to revive one of the uh, one of the guys and managed to get him up just in time. But I w- didn't have a lot of health. So when I ran over to my other buddy, I popped my ultimate, which is a area of effect circle that is a healing drone. So I was getting heals while I was trying to get him up and I'm getting popped by these guys, but my health's not really completely going down because I keep getting heals from it. And we ended up completing the objective because just made the right call with the ultimate, which I had done some other specking with that where I was earning my ultimate a little bit quicker. So it's, there's just, I know I'm talking a lot about how the game plays, but it's just fun to play. And you don't always get like free to play games are fun. We have Warzone and Apex and all these things. These are big AAA companies that are making these games. Like the, the the best of the best are making these. This is a little unknown studio and they're making something that is a ton of fun to play. And I, I really think everyone should try this game. It's free. There's no barrier of entry. You've you got to play it. Yeah, I think you're understating the the look of it. It looks very good. Yes. <laughs> it looks surprisingly extremely good. It does not look like a game that I don't know how big the studio is, Frag Lab, but uh, it, it, it looks like a game that could come from, you know, uh, people can fly, you know, yeah. out, Outriders kind of look. Um, not, not as like, but definitely up there for sure. Yes. So, um, I only played through the intro. It it is interesting. Guns feel good for sure. The story audio design's really good. Yes, yes. <laughs> Those guns sound good. <laughs> I I only got to well that got to, but I only chose to play with the default machine gun basically, and um or assault rifle, and yeah, that thing sounded beefy. I was like, oh yeah, let's shoot this some more. Yep. Just for the fun of it. <laughs> but yeah, story I don't know, the story's kinda interesting. It's it got an uh, interesting premise. I'm not sure how much it plays into the roguelite aspect and how much uh you you'll uh get from it as you play through it, but that was interesting. I mean it was, it, it kind of starts off as this I, I, I guess it is kind of tropish in terms of the yeah type of stories. You know, there's this uh, it's almost Borderlandsy, <laughs> kind of, in the sense of this disembodied voice that's trying to get you to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. In that sense, very much so. But like, yeah, yeah there's this alien thing that uh, crash lands on Earth. It's the it's called the glass, and it deformed the entire planet and infected the life forms of it 
including the humans, and they the humans who were infected by it became what was called glassheads, and uh, <laughs> they be, basically they became these ravaging zombie type zombies. It's hard to call them zombies; just they're they're kind of just these feral creatures. Feral, right? that's it, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they become these feral-like creatures, and, you know, they obviously they have all kinds of different... I guess it's more, like, in terms of what they are, more back-for-bloodish kind of yeah. zombies, I guess is probably the best description. And, and there's some really cool, in the PvE, there's some really cool variants is one, of the, cool, is one of the coolest things. Like, when you play through that, they've got some very different kind of creatures that'll start fighting you, and they're... They're a lot of fun to figure out the best ways to combat. Yeah. So the interesting part about like the story intro was it I guess it kind of had this natural selection-ish type of thing where it's like this uh gene was formed that allowed some people to be immune to the glass. And it was like, oh that I mean, we've seen that before, but I, I don't know. The way it was presented, it felt natural. Like, that was the natural next step for humanity to have this, yep. like, resilience to it eventually, even if it was just a certain segment of people. But, of course, that certain segment of people all are trained for war, which has a very Ukrainian context right now <laughs> type of thing. Like, every man yep. is a soldier at this point. And so... Yeah, that that was kind of interesting. I I, I found that fairly compelling. Um, again, you've seen it in all kinds of ways, but for some reason, the way it was presented, I was like, oh, this is. I kind of want to know more about. It. And then you know, you, you have sit the, there and you're like, this is pretty good. That's yes. kind of what you're sitting there. Yeah, and maybe it's just low expectations, but maybe, like, maybe that actually could very. But well I mean, be it. like, it surprised me, <laughs> and. I guess for me as a as someone who reviews these kind of things, it's like it doesn't it is I don't get these n- new fresh feelings all the time. No. So <laughs> that's that's what I'm liking about this spirit form that starts talking to you, and it's like this has been going on for millions of years, and it's just now hit your <laughs> planet, and we've given this thing, and you have to stop it. It's like yep. this big dragon thing appears, and it's like, oh my god, what is this? And then <laughs> it's gone, and you start yep. your stuff. And I'm like, okay, I want to know more. I, 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 the, the, I hope, I hope I they're planning more. some sort of like campaign or something. I yeah. really do, because the PVE is very much its own kind of. I don't want to say it's separate, but it's no. it's definitely its own kind of thing. The setup. Fe- this is my perfect example. The setup feels like dead cells where it doesn't really present as this story that's super deep, but as you keep playing, you get more details as you go and as your runs continue. Less so like Hades, less so like that. Um, But yeah, more so like Dead Cells if if you've played that. So um, it's, it's, it's not a, it doesn't feel like it could be a game where like Hades, like every death means something for the continuation of the story. Whereas Dead Cells, it's kind of, it's not random, but you have to perform certain things. You have to get to a certain point in order to reveal more of what's actually going on. Um, So I feel like it could go in that direction. That's the feeling I'm getting from it. 
I hope yeah. they do because I want to know more. What what is yeah, the, what is the, happening? Maybe I'm easy to. Please. I can at least say the. <laughs> I can at least say the PVE. It does play more similar to zombies. Like you all die. You're 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 doing a new run. Like you're sure, running completely yeah. like starting fresh. So I'm just talking but about you're, in, you're in writing that you could figure other things out. Yeah. Yeah. Revealing the story. That's all I'm talking about. So one of the cool things is that playing the PVE, especially considering you're required to pick up guns that are not what you necessarily want to use, what you level up in the PVE is leveled up on the multiplayer side. So mm. it is a connected system with that so i picked up that i believe it's called the dragonfly the the two shot sniper and i believe i got it all the way up to level two and i don't have it unlocked yet in my arsenal yet but just knowing that okay cool i've actually gotten a little bit out of this this way and i'll be able to use it in the future is really cool knowing that hey what i'm doing isn't just kind of just getting flushed after every every run as well as you actually get a good amount of experience along with they they had some blueprints so i was able to actually add some customization to my my operator with a cool looking jacket and stuff did yours have a mosquito beak attached to it it did not unfortunately okay. <laughs> that there are no mosquito beaks to worry about okay well thought i'd ask <laughs> heard blueprints and thought it grounded <laughs> i don't know how does it, it sound to you it's fun corvo yeah i mean it sounds interesting like i've only seen maybe a minute of the game i hadn't heard about it before the podcast but uh yeah i'm i'm definitely more interested in the pve side of things from what you described it sounds like it could be quite interesting and I'm kind of preaching the gospel of Shatterline to everybody who'll listen right now. So I've been <laughs> tweeting about it, been telling other friends, "Hey, it's free. Download Shatterline." <laughs> I know the feeling when you, when you find a gem, it's just like you gotta let people know. Yep. With the PVE, you said it's three players. Does it have to be three players, or can you play with two or less? Just curious. I haven't 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 set up my own lobby. So I haven't been able to see if there's a not autofill. So we did we did have one random that was on our team when we played the three. So it, it may be one of those where it just auto matches you with somebody. But uh, that's only because I have not done the menu to know if I can turn off autofill. Sure. I'm just yeah. I am curious to see how the difficulty changes if it changes at all, depending on how many players, or it's just going to be one of those where. Now it's, you have to at least have two in order to even start it. Point being, yeah. we have three right here. We can all play yeah. it together. <laughs> exactly. I see what's happening here. Yeah. Is... Go, go download it, Corvo. Go download it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also uh, not very big. It's, I believe it's under 20 gigs, so it is pretty small. I think it's 19. <laughs> is this uh, PC exclusive? Uh, currently yes. only on Steam. Yeah. Uh, if it keeps getting eyes on it, though, I could very much see them bringing this over to console. You know, I don't know. I don't know if this would be a console game. I think this is probably going to be a PC only game. Maybe it gets probably. to the Epic, Epic Store, but it, it's mainly depending on the eyes that end up on it. Like if if it all of a sudden blows up, I could see it. I, I guess money wise, yeah. Uh, why yeah. not put it on consoles free to play? But um, this is looking to shape up to be much. Much better than uh, the likes of Crossfire X. So, 
Oh um, gosh, don't remind me of that terrible game. I remind you of that game so that you understand how good Shatterline is. Don't take it for granted. Don't yes. take the goodness for granted. That's all. But for uh, sure. yeah, you know, if it does make it to console, yeah. It, but it just if the way it feels doesn't feel like it will fit very well for console. It's sometimes PC games they just don't translate well. This is, this kind of feels like that, but maybe not. I mean, Call of Duty works so. But there's something about the way it controls. It seems like it needs that mouse. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing this with a controller and I'm enjoying it. So oh, far, okay. So. Well, now shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Shatterline. Um, that is developed and published by Frag Lab LLC. All right, David, hit us with some news. Some news. Well, I believe we've got two different things. Uh, we'll leave what happened two different today. Things, four fingers all together <laughs> for those who can't see. <laughs> you held up both hands. We have uh, earlier last week, we found out that it sounds like PlayStation is going back into the remaster business. Did they ever this leave time, it? <laughs> not really. But this time, it's blood. I mean... Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that has a 60 FPS patch on consoles. And if I do say so, still looks pretty darn good on a PlayStation 5. I haven't seen it on so, PlayStation 5. It looks, it looks good on PlayStation 4. Looks good on PC. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yes, very much so. I, I kind of sit on two different sides of this in the sense of... Get off the fence, it hurts. Yes, it. I don't get why we have to keep going back to the remaster bin because I want new IPs. I want some of these old IPs that have been let die come back because I want another Jack and Daxter game. Even yeah. if it doesn't fit today, I don't care. I want to play it again. But on the other side... I see that cyberpunk show and the Witcher show and all these numbers that came out of these shows and there's horizon show coming up. Mm. So remastering horizon zero dawn makes a little bit of sense. And I also see that a game that was came out after horizon got a remaster, not a remake. We're not talking last of us level amount of resources, a remaster spider-man from right. 2018 got a remaster and if i'm not mistaken i don't i don't know if i heard this somewhere if i just read it somewhere that was a v- extremely small team of some of the devs from insomniac that put that together that's yeah, a remaster so it's not going to take a lot of time for them to do that so $70. the way you can kind of the way you can kind of look at it is it's at least worth your time and resources if it's a low amount of time and resources. I don't think it would launch at $70 personally. I think we're mm-hmm. looking at that amount because of Last of Us. No, especially yeah, I was especially considering, yeah. <laughs> I I think that it probably hits more the 40 to $50, which I still think is too much, but I, I would like 30. to see I would like to see some form of upgrade for people who already have the game like I know everyone has that game at this point, but I'm with Corvo. It should be 30. I mean, 
So yeah. if we look at Spider-Man as the example, small team, the Horizon Zero Dawn remaster uh, developer is small, than, or at least the team working on the remaster is small. I mean, Sony's going to look at that and go, okay, how much are we paying to make this and how much profit can we get out of this? They're going to try to get as much as possible. So I imagine it's going to be 40 or 50, maybe even 50. Uh, And they're going to, I think it'll be 40 if I'm going to be transparent in my thoughts. But uh, yeah, $40 will probably be the price and... uh, They'll probably try to figure out a way to sell us on that forty dollars. Um, I don't know if they'll add anything, you know, developer diary stuff. I, I, I don't, I don't know. But I think for anything above thirty, they would have to, at least in my eyes. I agree. They didn't, they didn't do that with Spider-Man Remastered, but of course, Spider-Man Remastered was never available on PS5 uh, separately. It was a pack-in with Miles Morales. So that's that's where things kind of get interesting as we truly don't know what Sony's strategy is here because the only example we have for the game from what it looks to be most like is not available by itself on PlayStation 5. So. Yeah, this... This feels like... Sony trying this is going to sound very elementary but this sounds like Sony trying to make money they yeah, are it's just some easy money they're looking at it as easy money but easy money in the sense of they are in a very interesting position with the Microsoft ac- acquisition happening and will most likely happen their revenue will drop from Call of Duty you know at least they're anticipating it I think Call of Duty is still yep. going to be multi-platform but it sounds like they are prepping now to uh, beef up their coffers for... Oh, yeah, with, with all these live service games automatically. <laughs> yes. So, um, which I guess they're going to release one pretty... Well, not release one, but at least announce one pretty soon. So which that, the interesting thing... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the interesting thing is right after all of this, Herman Holst has come out. And live service are going to be PlayStation and PC day one. Yes, because they so want the that live money. service stuff. Yeah, the live service stuff. I mean, you can't succeed in live service this. unless you have a big enough audience. What yes. better audience to go to than PC, where there are a ton of people who can play these things? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I believe I predicted on this podcast that that would be the approach because it is live yep. service you need it to, makes sense yeah so <laughs> like, um, you don't got to put your single player out there day one just your other yeah no for sure but now along with that single player stuff now they are adding the, all this remaster stuff i'm like yeah okay yep. that that seems to be the next go-to we're gonna keep our yep. single player we got our god of war ragnaroks and stuff the release it won't be on pc for you know probably two three years and we're going to remaster. Guarantee you. Guarantee you. That you will see a God of War remaster. Probably two years after God of War Ragnarok. That's my gut. Because <laughs> Mark the calendar. Mar- uh, October. <laughs> 2024. 
just it's, it's, just cuz why would they pass up the opportunity you know god of war ragnarok comes out it doesn't have multiplayer won't have any of that kind of stuff how do you keep that money generating let's have god of war remake and then it'll probably increase more sales of God of War Ragnarok, which will probably come out on PC in 2025. <laughs> so, you know, like it just, it just makes sense to do something like that to keep the train going of, oh, we want to keep people in this franchise. We want to keep people loving this thing. So let's, let's keep on doing stuff. So this seems like, like it's like going Ghost to be a permanent strategy. Way. What, what, what I, just like Ghost of, I, I just like Ghost of Tsushima's way. What was because that? they did the le- they did the legends uh, multiplayer, and that was really a really cool, unique multiplayer. How many people are actually playing that now? So I don't know. It's it is free to play though, so right. It is something that's fun to keep people engaged. I forgot about it, and I <laughs> I I am not speaking for everybody, but if it gets to me, it's big. Because I, you know, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm just not like geared into the video game news in that in that way now. So, you know, I hear about Fortnite stuff all the time, and I'm nowhere near that game. But yep. Ghost of Tsushima's, you know, multiplayer. Nobody's yeah. writing guides on it. Nobody, you know, nobody's really talking about it. Um, now, not to say it's not good. Last of Us multiplayer yeah. was fantastic. I, I am with you on preaching that i wish the last of us remake had the multiplayer because that mess was good but also nobody really played it that much so no well i am looking forward to seeing the other part of the horizon news which is that they are working on a multiplayer version of a game from the horizon universe and it will be from what they've said it's going to be monster hunter-esque in the sense of hunting down dinosaurs in co-op and that sounds awesome and since it would be live service, there's a good chance that would be PC day one. So uh, at least according to the document that leaked, that's a supposed I'm putting up finger quotes document that it's uh, yeah, it's it could be legit. And I'm I'm very excited for that kind of a thing, because dinosaur hunting is the absolute best part of the Horizon games. So. I. uh I tried to like Monster Hunter. I really tried. Now, granted, I started with Rise. Don't know how people feel about Rise that much, but I tried Rise, and I was like, eh, this is, this is not as good as I wanted it to be. Um, a Horizon Zero uh, Monster Hunter sounds more <laughs> like up my alley, because the combat for Horizon is, is more closer to the speed that I like. Yeah, compared it's to more me. action RPG fast. Yes. So, so I said I'm going to try Monster Hunter World. I do need to give that a chance before I'm like, no Monster Hunter. But this, I'm interested. Yep. And on the second piece of news that we have for today, Mario is coming to the big screen. <laughs> oh. That's right, folks. The trailer for the Mario, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, it hit today. What are your thoughts? I mean, I like the voice for Bowser. I, I went as soon as I heard the voice come out, I was like, that's that's pretty fitting. Um, Mario, on the other hand, I I personally just it sounds a little too just like basic, I guess, is the feeling that I got from it. 
it just kind of sounds like a guy. Like, it doesn't sound like Mario. <laughs> it's just like, this is just it like does. a guy. This is just some person. He does uh, just sound like Matt off the street. Right. Yeah. Like somebody, you know, walked up to somebody with a microphone and said, hey, record some lines from Mario real quick. <laughs> That's the impression I got, at least. I mean, it yeah. sounds like acted, but, you know, yeah, he doesn't. Mario has a very unique voice. Yeah. To the Mushroom we'll Kingdom we go. <laughs> yeah. <it> was... <laughs> we'll have to obviously see more of the movie because obviously you could just put a bad clip in. But yeah, it, it sounds like it's going to be more just Chris Pratt just being Chris Pratt, which I'm fine with. I, I got to say at least that. I could understand people being worried about like Mario video game voice because he doesn't exactly talk a lot. And I wouldn't want that. That could get annoying. That could get annoying after two hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you you gotta you gotta walk a fine line on how you do things. I I honestly think that the visuals alone are gonna carry this film. From the trailer, seeing the animation was incredible. I was not expecting this level of animation for a film about Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) No, it looks. Very, very good. But I don't want to sell. I mean, I'm low on these type of things, but Bowser seems interesting. Toad seems interesting. Like I don't want to undersell the characters. They. It seems like they've taken some time to uh, make these characters, you know, fun in a very childlike way that uh, I think even adults might find some charm in. I agree. I do know. Um, it- Go ahead. I was just going to say what I will say, that thing is going to make bukus of money. Like it, it is going to like blow off the box office doors just because of the name recognition. <laughs> We're going to be hitting that coin block over and over again. Oh, yes. <laughs> Were you going to say yeah, I'm, that? I'm trying to reserve my, my full judgment until the film comes out, but sure. yeah, I, I agree with you that I, I did like the work coming through from Bowser specifically. And I'm interested to see the rest of the cast and see their voice work. Yeah, I wish I wish Bowser's voice was just a little deeper. Like it's just a little too high pitched for me. I, I want a little more gruff, a little more deeper. But like the actual like character, the way the voice comes out of the character, I I like that. It fits. It's just the actual like sound of it. It's like yeah, oh, this I can see that a little a little off to me, but. That's my imagination of Bowser speaking. I guess my biggest worry is that Donkey Kong is going to come on the screen and the first thing Seth Rogen is going to do is <laughs> oh, God. don't give him any ideas. <laughs> it, that's his only idea. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have higher expectations for this than what I had before because I was just going to not even pay attention to it. But David convinced me to watch it since we were going to talk about it. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I watched it. So I am going to pay a little bit more attention to it. Um, but I I think it will have a good amount. I, I even chuckled during the trailer. You guys heard me chuckle while I watched <laughs> it. I was like, oh, that was actually kind of funny. I do like Toad's voice, too. I was like, to- the energy, it's the energy. I was like, yes, that is Toad. Yes. <laughs> Keegan-Michael Key is perfect. Yes. <laughs> that was it. 
Loved it. So clearly they've looked at Mario and they've gone like, okay, these are what these characters are like. Kamek, his voice. I was like, oh, I think that's actually what I would think Kamek sounds like. So that's kind of cool. That sort of stuff. You can tell they've done their research. Looks all right. Any other news, David? Nothing specifically that I can think of. Y'all have anything? Um, no, just all the Overwatch drama. Yeah, I think I, I think I figured out why David likes Sojourn now is because she has a slide ability. Yeah, that's, uh, yes, that's that what you learned 100%. today. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. That is that is what <laughs> what did you learn today, Corvo? <laughs> David <laughs> likes sliding. Almost a little too much. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Um, you can uh, catch us on our Discord, which you'll find in the show notes of this podcast. To do the conversation, let us know what you think about Super Mario b- the movie. Uh, what is it called? I don't even know what it's called. It's like Super Mario Brothers the movie. Oh, Brothers. Sorry, missed the Brothers there. I thought um, it was Bros, but I might be wrong. It, it, well, Bros, okay, yeah. yes, Bros. Super Mario Bros the movie. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on that. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Overwatch 2. How are you liking Grounded? Are you interested in Shatterline? Yeah, talk to us. Hit us up on the Discord. And uh, we will be back next week with some more stuff to talk about. I'll probably have some more stuff on overwatch even more solidified thoughts but we'll see i need to play about 600 more out now to play but usually i do like to get further <laughs> in the get battle pass. rookie numbers yeah yeah <laughs> usually i do like to get further in the battle pass before i even talk even more about it but we'll see we'll see if uh it's worth even getting the battle pass and stuff but uh yeah all right that'll do it for us appreciate you listening we will talk Peace. to you later